Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From heads of studios in Dublin, welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I'm Derek O'Shea. And I'm Pather O'Quivonic. You're all very welcome to our episode today. Pather, I was reading Turish today. Were you? I was indeed. Um, I like Turish, and I especially like the articles by Dahi Namorda. Dahi Namorda, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a good writer. Um, he has a, a way with words, and I love, it's written in, in Kerry Irish, right, the way he speaks. This is exactly the thing, it's that he's, he's very articulate, but he has this very kind of natural, yeah, Kerry, if you, Kerry style of writing. You don't and give him a big head now, I'm, keep up. I wouldn't, don't, don't, didn't want to do that specifically, but I just merely if there are people studying for exams who are looking for good kind of subject matter to base their essays on and just good turns of phrase you could you can do better than our nose nagriha and um and by by looking at him yeah if you want to take it to that next level that advanced yeah. level um dahi uh Oh, he writes well. He writes very well. Were you were you reading the one about um, rejecting ethno nationalism and yes. the, the rise of the right? Because it is something that's really interesting um, that there is a rise. Obviously, there's a global rise in the the so called alt right, neo neo Nazism to to give it to call it what it is. Mm-hmm. But to see a particular strain of it try and claim Gaelicism or, or Irishness for itself is is a bit this is something that really fascinates me because I started the Irish Four in twenty fifteen. Mm. And you know, and I suppose I, I wasn't the Halcyon days. The, the Halcyon days. The, it, the, it, <laughs> back in the good old days of twenty fifteen. And, and it's when there were no Nazis anywhere. I know. The whole the whole idea just seems so it seems so kind of far fetched that the, that we'd be entering that that stage. But then there's an awful lot of stuff going in the background and obviously it's just been like at the time, I was more focused on within our own lovely island that we were approaching. It was a referendum on on marriage equality, and then there was the following referendum subsequently after. And there was a lot of, uh, and I was aware there was there was a certain kind of tone to Irish uh, Irish online activity, but that was different from what was happening in the UK and the United States. And around this time, there was, I guess, the there was the alt right. A lot of people didn't pay attention to them the following year, but they were already existing. They already had their own little vocabulary. And in the context of Irishness, this after Trump got elected, 
what alarmed a lot of people is the amount of Irish surnames in his entourage. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And this was a real smack in the face because we always associated Irish America with, with the Democrats, with the Kennedys, with the Underground Railroad, with um, the the first integrated. Um, well, it, there's a bit of a blinkered kind yeah. of a rose tinted view yes, of Irish very America. Much so. We like that we were always Democrats, but I mean, like the Irish Americans were Democrats when. Being a Democrat meant being pro-slavery and you know pro-segregation and mm. you know the, and it really depended on where you went. It's not. It would be absolutely foolish to say that when the Irish moved over to America, we became more liberal than anybody else and more progressive than anybody else. Yeah. They became they became proud citizens of, of of where they are, and unfortunately, their antecedents now are are over there. And yeah, you can't move in Trump's. Well, I mean, Trump's cabinet obviously differs from week to week, depending on who he's fired. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you can't move for uh, who have you got? You got Mulvaney's in there, and you have Kelly's, and you have uh, yeah, you've Spicer's, who whose mothers are Irish, and you've and, all sorts of and, and Kavanaugh. And oh, yeah, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh. Yeah, yeah. your cousin. Listen, I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> I too get very emotional about drinking beer. <laughs> have, oh gosh! But I have, I have never, I have never made sweet love to a calendar or harassed women or any of the weirdness that Brett Kavanaugh has done. I reject utterly his name. His name has a U in it. Mine mine does not. Yeah, that so, happened. <laughs> it happened because nobody's able to transcribe Irish surnames exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what's you're at Ellis Island. What's your name? Okavonic. It's like, oh, Kavanaugh, is it? There mm-hmm. you go. It's like, all right, okay, sure. I guess the thing is that, like, Irish America, the way, like, in the 19th century, a lot of people coming over to America from Germany and a lot of people coming over from, from Ireland. But the, the German-American sense of self wasn't the same as the Irish-American sense of self. The, the, in fact, the German-Americans, and particularly after World War One, didn't maybe, um, didn't identify, they identified more as, as as from their town or from their state than specifically well, their Germanic of, You know, a lot of that identity. has to do with the, the, the idea of Germany as a nation state is older than most German to America migration. You know, like it, it, as late as the Franco-Prussian War, the 1870s, 1879, into the yeah. 1880s, it was the remnants of the Holy Roman Empire. It was Greater Prussia. There was Bavaria. There was Baden-Württemberg. There were all these places that were independent, independent to, to all intents and purposes, who banded together to create a German empire after the machinations of Otto von Bismarck and pulling together all of these loosely confederated states that hadn't really been, even under the Holy Roman Empire, they had not been one nation with yeah. one national identity. Compared to the Irish, whose national identity well predated the actual Irish nation. Yeah. You know, and, and, and actually, funnily enough, you mentioned uh, Dahi de Morgan's article earlier. He does talk about mm. what makes a nation. And, yeah. You know, uh, you know it, it's occupation of common ancestral lands or common ancestry with the original occupants of these lands or culture in general or, or language. You know, whether he uses the only language as the mother tongue as the habitual means of communication. And this is what, you know, this is what Dahi says is that like Neil Bonus Fulla na da Kraken la Nashun Gaelach. It's not on the basis of blood or on the basis of skin type that, that, that the Gaelic nation exists. Yeah. And, and he talks specifically about, and this is something you lose in translation, the idea of Irishness versus the idea of, of being Gaelic. And, mm. and I, you know, when you translate it to Gaelic, it's a bit, it's a bit weird because mm-hmm. it doesn't, but anyway, it just doesn't, it doesn't scan right for me. It doesn't sound right. It's not, uh, you know, and I would never consider myself Gaelic. Yeah. But I'd say, like, his Gael mate, Tom, Tom Gaelach, um, Gaelach is smear. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, yeah, it's, uh, 
Anyway, it's all in the context of this idea that this this Irish alt-right or Irish-American alt-right or Anglo-Irish alt-right and, and people from all over the world who claim some sort of Irish ancestry are sort of trying to hold up Irishness as whiteness, as Catholicism, mm-hmm. as and it's it's to me it's as bullshit as the idea of Western culture. Because yeah. you you know you talk about like there there was no German identity. Everybody identified with their city, their region, their mm-hmm. their their nearest state. Uh, I, I you know and the identities of the lender in Germany are still very very important. But like people from Bavaria have a completely different culture than people from Berlin. Yeah. You know, so the idea that there's one common Western culture that unites white people is the most stupid thing in the world. I've got a different culture from people in Kildare. Yeah. Never mind people in, in Poland and Russia and and America. Kildare, Kildare culture is always saying you're not from Dublin while you're on the way to Dublin. That's exactly it. <laughs> well, you have an 01 phone number and you live on a bus route. Like, <laughs> but well, no. no, I'm not from Dublin, I'm from Selbridge. Yeah, all right, yeah, pull the <laughs> other one, yeah. <laughs> A big part of the Irish identity for the past 50 odd years or so and how kind of um, Irish-American self- racism. Well, <laughs> it's more specifically, I think, that as as concepts, first of all, you know, in the, in the, in the 1960s, an awful lot of, of cer- certain communities were promoted in, during the civil rights movement, certain minority communities in America were promoted as being good examples of how of well-behaved minorities. And to, oh, in, in the context yeah, this of, is the, the integration myth. Yeah, yeah. This, the, the, in, in the context was that oh, why can't though why can't Martin Luther King and his entourage be more like the Chinese Americans who were who received massive discrimination for the previous hundred years, but were suddenly being presented as model models of integration, and the Irish Americans who were told, look, look, I mean. They, they came over here starving and now they've done so well and why can't other minorities be like these good minorities? So Chinese, Jewish and Irish um, were, um, communities are being presented as models of American integration. Despite suffering, as you rightly point out, horrendous yeah. racism along the way. And and unfortunately, in some cases, especially in the Irish American case, turning around and dishing it out to whoever was next on the ladder below them. Yes. You know, it's kind of... Yeah, the the idea of the model immigrant, the good immigrant, the good yeah. citizen, and 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 it's good immigrant versus bad immigrant, and that le- that leads to that leads to some idea of um, it, this this is where you get a lot of racist tropes, a lot of lazy racist tropes, like oh, you know, they don't even integrate, you yeah. know, this idea, oh, you know, we're gonna have Sharia law over here, they don't integrate, they don't, it's like utterly nonsense, like this idea that we have one hegemonic culture that everybody needs to conform to, yeah. It's insanity. One of the things about how people, a lot of Americans start identifying as Irish-American or being very proud of this heritage, and part of this was because of Ireland's unique history, partly from being neutral in World War II and partly from not having colonies itself, it was seen as, Irish, Irishness was seen as a very, as an innocent form of whiteness. That's, yeah, that, that is a very modern take on it, right? I mean, like, yes. you've got to remember the idea of post-colonial guilt is very recent and mm-hmm. still hasn't really sunk in in a lot of places. You know, you look at how the British are approaching Brexit. Yeah. I saw a spectacular tweet, an amazing tweet. Basically, the UK's top food producers, yes. um, you know, they, they were saying that like a no-deal Brexit is incredibly dangerous and will we'll risk the UK's access to food in general. Like they, the, the country might starve under a no-deal Brexit. There might be a famine. That's a real possibility. And some genius gammon tweeted, so what? Who says you have to be in the EU to get food? We got food before the EU. We can get food again. And it's like, yeah, you don't realise, do you? You don't have an empire anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you can't 
you can't just take food out of the mouths of 1.2 million Indians anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. You, know? Uh, you don't have a Winston Churchill who's willing to let millions of people die <laughs> so you can get your rations. It's, I think there's a, there's, it's funny that they've come to, a, people have come to a stage where they can't back down. I mean, they've, they've stuck their neck out in too many wrong positions. Oh man, yeah. It's one of the greatest gifts anybody can possibly have is just to be able to go at a single moment. Mm. You know what? This has been a terrible idea on my part and I've changed my mind. Imagine if you could do the right thing with the force. Some people will do the wrong thing. Oh. The force and enthusiasm. Imagine people, imagine we had as much enthusiasm and energy in our kind of, in the pursuit of our, of our better angels than in our kind of darkest kind of uh, foolish kind of pet peeves. Well, you you got to bear in mind as well that like the the, the media play a huge role in, in mm. you know, putting forward a narrative. And they have no interest in people who are trying to be forceful for good. Yeah. Just none. It just doesn't, it doesn't sell papers. It doesn't attract listeners. It doesn't shift. It probably doesn't even shift podcasts, you know? <laughs> we, we need someone evil on the podcast. Oh. Yeah. I'm I, aware that that's the role Emer usually fills, but uh, <laughs> well, we need someone actually evil. Yes, I was thinking, I was thinking actually for getting somebody very evil in, you know, for ratings. Okay. And, you know, basically someone who maybe they might talk about an issue that, that, that affects people who are extremely vulnerable, that they claim to have an issue on, that they can just do some kind of uh, uh, bar stool takes on. And then we can just say, we're just, we're not, play, we're not giving them a platform. We're just, you know, raising debate. Oh, yeah, no, no. We're just asking the questions. Just, just asking, asking the questions. questions. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some like washed up comedy writer, just let them go on a rant about something about vulnerable people. I can't think of any washed up comedy writers that go on rants about vulnerable people, uh, unfortunately. I'm just, I'm just yeah. on a blank here. I guess, yeah. I guess if, if, if they're any good, we'd remember, we'd know their name. Trans rights. Absolutely. It's an, it's a no brainer. Trans rights are civil rights are human rights. Anyway, <laughs> it raises an interesting debate about separating the art from the artist, though, doesn't it? You know, I, I've said this before. I'm glad I don't know how Elvis Costello voted in Brexit. And I'm happy to keep it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. Like, it's it's one of the, the biggest. Like, I think I think an awful lot of fascism, uh, neo-fascism and neo-Nazism can be traced to when Morrissey became a total douche. Yeah. And and now there's just a lot of young white men who love Morrissey and just won't accept that he's a powerful, powerful bag of dicks now. And Morrissey brings us back to this idea of the Gale as, or the kind of, of Irishness. Yeah, and the of course, of, he wrote the song Irish Blood, English Heart, and, and which is a belter of a song. It's a belter of a song. And at the time, there was... <laughs> at the time, he was not openly well, supporting well, far-right political he, parties. But he, had, he had stuck his neck out fairly far before and that. He, people said, oh, he had gotten the careful now and uh, he hadn't quite got it down with this sort of thing yet. <laughs> but he had gotten several careful nows. He had made a couple of fairly um, buffoonish remarks. But then he basically came out and, there's, 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 and with Irish blood, English heart, and a lot of people from Irish communities or Irish heritage in the UK found this, this something they could relate to, particularly in the context of of Brexit, of not Brexit, of Britpop in the 90s and a lot, a lot of how... Um, yeah, not Brexit, that other yeah. UK nationalist disaster, Britpop. It's it's funny because, like, do you, do you think of, you know, the um, of, of Macbeth being called the British play until it lost the semi-final? <laughs> and, like... <laughs> Yeah, like, and, like, <laughs> and similarly, Britpop was in the early nineties. It was all it was Primal Scream, Teenage Fan Club, Jesus Mary Chain, Scottish bands. And then suddenly, someone said, "Let's look at this amazing Scottish indie trend. Let's just call it Britpop and nick it." 
Naked, I don't know. Creat- Creat- Creation Records was was an entirely like Scottish run operation. And were, and were they, they they were the forebears of yeah, Britpop? Yeah, Alan right? McGee and, and the Primal Scream and oh, yeah. Change Fan Club and yeah, all those yeah. lads. Yeah. So, so when did Pulp come into the mix? Because I'll actually give Pulp some props. Uh, first, Pulp were kind of Pulp. And they were jobbing away, weren't they? They were Sheffield band. They were they? they were jobbing away for a long time. They were, Sheffield is, has has a very interesting musical history in that it's it, they just produce um, obviously there's um, Arctic Monkeys and Joe Cocker yeah. and Pulp and there's like what what have they got in common? Sheffield. Sheffield, yeah. It's just, they're just... And they're all sound. Yes, I all hope. sound. I hope. I don't know what way Alex Turner voted on Brexit, and I'm happy to keep it that yeah, way. Yeah, I think, I think there's there's <laughs> a lot to be said for not knowing these things. Yeah, I know. Arctic Monkeys have successfully reinvented themselves. Oh. Did you ever dream of being a perfect Wakefield twin? Let us show you what a terrible idea that is. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And on Double Love, we take you through the strange and terrifying world of classic 80s teen book series Sweet Valley High, book by book. Join us every second Thursday for a new episode. In case you've just tuned in, you're listening to Motherfuckler, a podcast about the best of Sheffield's pop history. <laughs> Brought to you by the Headstuff Podcast Network. Get us on Motherfuckler at headstuff.org. And Sheffield, obviously, when you think of Sheffield, you obviously think of Sean Bean. I, I was just thinking of Sean Bean. Because, and, and Sean Van Vogt. <laughs> and Sean Van Vogt. That, I never got that joke. I just don't. People think this is hilarious. You know, why doesn't Sean Bean rhyme? It should be Seen Bean or it should be Sean Bond. And you're just looking and going, no. They speak two languages and they're they're in two languages. Yeah. It's just why why is that confusing to people? It's just it's a funny one, all right. But at the same time though, it's I, hang on, we we can tie this back. Just watch me. Just watch <laughs> me bring us back to the is topic. It, is this is this prep for a segue getting edited out of the pod, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> so I guess for me getting back to the yeah, when when Marcy was writing um when Marcy sang Irish Blood and English Heart, and then he talked about this idea that you have an Irish identity and a British identity, and the idea was his idea Irish blood. And this is something that Dahi is refuting, this idea yeah. that... Well, I mean, well, here's the thing, and it's a really interesting point that he makes, and yeah, you're right, and, and good segue. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were to attribute Irishness to some kind of blood lineage, then not only can you not include the bell Dahi de Morga himself of Norman stock, Mm-hmm. You couldn't even include Peg Sayers because Sayers isn't an Irish name, and her history wasn't 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 Irish. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously she married into a Blasket Island family, and and she, you know, her, her 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 kids had Irish names, but like and Irish blood. But yeah, Sayers is they were they were they they was English, so they was. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's this nonsense, this idea that, and obviously, we should say that an incredibly high proportion i would happily put the number somewhere north of 99% of the people who are claiming to be gaelic irish and you know anti-immigration so on and so forth don't speak irish they do not share a linguistic heritage with the island they claim to represent yeah. it's cuz you know i'm an idiot i always end up arguing with them on twitter until until you know it's time for blocking and they just don't they don't speak irish they will answer you in english and they'll do it having google translated your tweets and with 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 very 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 few exceptions these alt right anonymous trolls online are are you know to quote the great incomparable mean girls they don't even go here <laughs> Who was that peg guy from Peasant Stock who Andrew Maxwell was arguing with? Oh, that was O'Neill. Uh, Renan O'Neill from, from Spiked. Oh, man. So, 
his his parents are Irish, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if they'd heard him say that they were from peasant stock, but he's one of a breed of just right wing contrarians. He's not even he does not claim to be right wing. Claims to be more lefty than the lefties themselves, obviously. But he just is just brought on to panel shows and writes articles where he will just disagree with things. Because yeah. and look, we have we have we have. This is the the Hitchens Christopher Hitchens legacy uh, of yeah. when the military and intervention of the former Yugoslavia was happening. A lot of people on the left who said, "Oh, you know, um, you know, the, um, Britain and America would sort this out if there's any oil here." And then they said, "Actually, we're going to sort it out." And they said, "Oh, I still don't like war." And <laughs> you know, weirdos not liking war. Yeah, but then, uh, uh, a slight digression. But I think Spike, as a pacifist, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's, it was a it was a moment when some people I remember because that was the time when this whole idea of the neoconservative people who are I'm I'm because it's I believe in in, you know, in invading countries because I'm so liberal. The Tony, yeah, Blair exactly. Thing, it was to bring peace to yeah. these countries. Yeah, it was it was to, it was to get money. It was, it was yeah. always money. And then but you the, look at Brexit. Look at Brexit. Right, yeah. I guarantee you. I guarantee you this. Right. There are people out there, they know that no-deal Brexit is an absolute disaster. They know that the UK is tottering off a cliff, but they're also aware that if Article 50 is delayed and the UK don't get their Brexit at the end of March, then European tax avoidance laws come in and apply to the millions and millions and millions on deposit in the UK. So you have mouthpieces from the ERG, the the extreme right wing of the Conservative Party, trying to push Brexit through in whatever shape or form they can by March the 29th, which is just... Follow the money. If you just joined us, you're listening to Motherfucker, a conspiracy theory podcast from the yeah. Headstuff Podcast Network. Did you know, though, just when the GPO, um, during the 1916 rising, the GPO had 64 million in, in post office bonds that were disappeared? I did not, but this sounds like an amazing movie. Shall we write it? <laughs> Let's write it, absolutely. So, um, the Irish language, and this was that the Irish storytelling singing tradition has a huge corpus of songs about people leaving, going abroad, not coming back, yeah. and and songs of of families and lovers separated by the sea. Angry songs, sad songs, yeah. Angry songs, sad songs. Aroni Farragh. Yeah, Aroni Aroni Farragh. Aroni Bronacha. Yeah, it's it's full of them, and 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 not just Oscarelga, Osperla as well. The idea of the you know the the common trope of the American wake. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's there's only one song that my son wants to listen to when he's crying, and mm-hmm. and and will make him go asleep. And it's a, a song sung by the the, the late great Connemara singer Joe Heaney, Joseph uh, O'Heenick, and it's. The, the lyrics are, it's the last night of my stay f- ere I ramble far away mm-hmm. to seek my fortune on a foreign shore. And yeah, it is the idea that, uh, you know, when I'm gone, I am gone. Ain't no Ryanair, no wow air <laughs> via Reykjavik to come home. It's not happening. When Absolutely. I'm gone, I'm gone. It's just gone. I just think about this kind of very sad, tender tradition and of the of of looking very, very kind of angrily and painfully when... Um, when John F. Kennedy came to Ireland and he referred to, he quoted Joyce at a time when Joyce was still banned in a lot of uh, libraries in Ireland. Mm. I think we, uh, he quoted, he said, referred to the Atlantic as the bitter pale of tears. And I think Joyce had actually, when he said this in Ulysses, was, was referring to the, the English Channel. Or the, 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 Irish, the, the Irish Sea. The Irish Sea. Our Snot Green Sea. Snot Green Sea. And this yeah. is the bitter pale of tears, the bucket of kind of actually of, of weeping that kind of, uh, that separates families torn apart by immigration. And so... It's funny in 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 those contexts the idea of an all tribe presenting a kind of a a, a Celtic idea purity of, like purity yeah. 
and the idea that also that this is something that or that we are we should be flattered by their by their attempts to include us. What us as the in their in their archetypical whiteness? Like yes, it's such nonsense though. It's such nonsense. The idea that there is a Gaelic or a Celtic civilization for a start, as Emer would tell you any time she's in here, you want you want to make a, hist- a historian yeah. uh, go mad. You say, oh yeah, what about Celtic civilization? Or weren't the Celts great? And the idea. They weren't one people. It was, you know, there wasn't mm-hmm. one culture, one language or anything like that. Like, even the idea of Irish nationhood. Yeah. And this and this is where the translation is, is, is it loses a bit in the translation. The idea of, of Irishness, uh like a vet Eirinach, as we said on the pod a few times, it can probably be dated back the earliest real... Uh, reference to Irishness as as like coming from one nation. The people of this island are one people. Yeah. Uh, it it could, it could be dated back to Sharon Caton or Geoffrey Keating as he was known, a Norman. Yeah. So he wouldn't be included in this Irish blood nonsense. And he wrote for us Fasair Aaron. He wrote it in Belgium uh, when he was in exile from Ireland, and it, it was a history of Ireland that had been strategically rewritten to create this idea that there is an Irish nation state. And it would it was it was oppressed by um, by the British at the time, and and prior to that, prior to invasion, prior to the Norman invasion, prior to eleven seventy one, like Leinster, Connacht, Ulster, Breffney, Oriel, uh, Tirconnell, uh, you know, yeah. even D- Dalcash, all of these it was kingdoms and petty kingdoms and provinces and uh, and towns and villages, and like it was just this. Dublin was its own kingdom. Dyffryn Arscary and and Leinster was south of that, and you know, Oriel was north of it. And the only it, place that wasn't its own kingdom was Cork. No, it was the the, <laughs> the, the People's Republic. <laughs> They invented communism in 814 AD. Like, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's so, so the idea of Irishness, Aaronachus, it's, 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 it's a relatively modern concept compared to the idea of Irishness, Gaelachus. Yeah. The Gaelach. And that meant, that meant the people with a shared linguistic and cultural heritage from Ireland, Scotland, and the Isle of Man. Yeah. More or less. So there was no, there were no nation. There was no nation. There were, there were no nations. There was no border. There was no, you know, there was no backstop. <laughs> there was no, um, if you just joined us, this is motherfucker. <laughs> topical <laughs> podcast about the humor of Brexit. Uh, the, 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 the idea of the Gael as, as a nation, as a race, as a people is distinct from the idea of the Irish. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, you know, we started talking about at Dahi de Morgan's piece in Turisk and, and he says towards the end, and this is brilliant. It's like, uh, Curter elet looked Lauren the Gael, the Gamion Minica Gapamid Gawilamid Nice Erini, not Aina Ella, ni Fierschin, Neil Aun, Ach Gawilamid Nice Gaeli. It is often said about mm. those who speak Irish that we think we're more Irish than other people. Mm-hmm. That's not true. What we are is we're more Gaelic. And if you can't, if you can't distinguish between those two concepts, that, 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 being Gaelic is nothing to do with your skin colour or your religion or where you were born or where you grew up or where you live or, or you know, it's to do with a shared culture and a shared um, a, sh- a shared cultural heritage, whether adopted or inherited, a shared linguistic heritage, whether learned or, you know, whether learned from infancy or learned at school or learned on Duolingo or picked up mm. from podcasts. It, it doesn't matter that Gaelic is, is a state of mind and... I think I always go back to to um, 
<laughs> one thing um, that uh, Kieran said when he had the Motherfuckler uh, Twitter account it was yeah. super weak it was really great it was ages ago now but it was one thing that has really stuck with me and it's like if Irish speakers have privilege then uh, if they are privileged then they are one of the few minorities who seek to include other people in that privilege because <laughs> we just want everybody to speak mm. Irish that'd be class you know we want everybody to speak Irish we don't want to keep it for ourselves or anything like that so yeah, yeah this this idea like that, and again, I suppose you listen, when you speak Irish, and you know intrinsically in your heart and in your brain the difference between Gael agus Éireannach between yeah. one form of Irish and another form of Irish. Then yeah, then then you look at all these Nazis trying to claim Irishness as some sort of they've mixed up Gael and Gal. They've mixed up Gael and Gal, yeah, which is just nonsense because you don't have to be Gal to be Gaelic. You don't have to be Gal to Gaelic. No, absolutely, and and you know Gaelish a Gael. Gaelish a Gael, it doesn't matter. Like, mm. you know, a Gael is a Gael. It doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter where you're born, doesn't matter what your skin colour is. If you want to be, like, open call. If you want to consider yourself a Gael, get yourself a copy of Dinning's Dictionary or away you mm. go. Or just download Duolingo or just, you know, well. listen to listen to a bit of trad music, play a bit of hurling. It doesn't matter. All aspects of the culture. It doesn't matter. There is also this dangerous idea that you have to be all things to all men, Gaelically speaking. Like, I, I, you can speak Irish and play baseball. I, I do. I do indeed. Mm-hmm. And also, like, my dad's a musician. He plays Irish music. And people ask me, what do you play? And I'm like, first base, designated hitter. <laughs> I can't play. I can't. I couldn't. I couldn't music my way out of a cardboard box. But, mm-hmm. uh, but like, yeah, yeah. You dip and choose. You pick the bits of the culture that are interesting to you, that speak to you, that resonate with you. And like, whiteness mm-hmm. is not part of it. Yeah, it's funny because I remember a couple of years, maybe a year or so back, the um, the Irish Times did a piece on the all fright and who who are these snappily dressed, outspoken, oh, yeah. outspoken rascals? Yeah, these cool and, guys. And they said, oh, here's the here's the wacky vocabulary these kind of these cats are using in their kind of and people said, oh, what's the Irish for these? You know, um, these professions. I was like, I'm, I mean, I'm on level. Like I'm, I don't get to decide what words anywhere else. What, what words go in out of a language? But yeah. at the same time, like I'm not going to, <laughs> I'm not going to help gonna them add along. To the, yeah, exactly. You're not going to add yeah. to the corpus. Uh, yeah. Oh, the Irish for a few racist terms, is it? Well, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't like. I don't feel like it. And you know, and obviously the the dictionaries, um, the dictionaries w- that we use go back to an, an uh, a, di- a different time, and you do, yeah. you, you do find in Deneen and in Devaldra. Um, and in O'Donnell, and you, in find, O'Donnell you find words too. that would currently be classed yeah. as offensive. It's funny because there was one word that, yeah, that when Jamie Oliver was starting out, he'd often refer to things as pucka without actually being aware that this was a um, maybe an, a, not a great expression that this refers to uh, an English per, a, a person of English heritage in India. So this idea of saying someone's pucka is basically saying they're not Indian. Not pu- not of Indian stock. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, that's oh, why he stopped. Right. Oh, did he stop? Yeah. I also had no idea. He just ninety percent of what Jamie Oliver says is nonsense. Like, but just, is, you just bung it in your waza, waza up, paka. Mm. <laughs> you know, and I mean, like, I, and I like cookery programs too. I, I think that's it's part. I mean, he 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 stopped and has brought his attention as far as that, I know. That's, and that's fair. fair enough. That's you all know? you can ask. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't like. There's no point in vilifying people. You know. But the reason I know that is because paka is an entry in in Devaldra. No way! Yeah. Wow. So that's uh, that's and it's funny. I've I've learned English from like studying What's Irish. What's the Irish for pucka? I think it's a a dinagial. 
Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. That's class. So, mm. basically, for several years, Jamie Oliver was going around. Yeah, take it out for 45 minutes and the chicken is absolutely white, man. It's, people used to say that's very white of you. Oh, that's mighty white of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't do that anymore. Well, I mean, there, there was a Conservative MP, to go back to, to, mm. to Brexit, <laughs> there was a Conservative MP who recently, I think like last year or the year before, mm. unironically and completely seriously used the term N-word in a woodpile. Ah, uh, here. I know, like, just, like, it, in what universe is that a thing you say? I, I mean, that's... Like how how the hell can you be yeah. under the age of seventy and be raised to think that that's a turn of phrase you can actually use? I guess it's yeah, insane. It's, so actually, the word for a pucka is sasna ohalov. Sasna ohalov. Ohalov. Oh right, so pucka is an expat. Yeah. Ah, right, because there's a huge difference apparently between expats and immigrants. Of course, yeah. <laughs> it's just, just like the undocumented. Oh, the undocumented, yeah, oh. of course. They're different from the people who are coming over here. Yeah, have you have you I, heard have you heard the concept of uh, Schrodinger's immigrant? Oh yes, I have indeed. It's yeah. uh, it's like the idea that they're, Liv- they're living it up on welfare and also at the same time stealing your job. The Irish for undocumented is gone document. Gone document. Gone document. I am not a fan of the word Goncapeshi. Goncapeshi. I'd be more happy with that. I'm not a fan of the word document for document. And I know that it's not Berlichus, like it's not Englishism. I just love the sound of the word Kapesh. It sounds like sandwich. Capra? A little bit. It looks like it on the paper, all right. I never get appetized looking at documents. Never. So... I start to dream about lunch, though. <laughs> Stack full of carpaccio, and you're just dreaming about mm. your capra. So, in conclusion, <laughs> uh, how am I going <laughs> to wrap this up? Um, in conclusion, at the I, 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 nothing quite ties together the idea of the the Irish experience in America and the Irish experience in Britain, quite like the Pogues. Yeah, and yeah. Body of an American being sung by an, a, a an Irish born um, in. English raised fella singing about an you Irish. Actually, you actually believe that Shane was Irish born? Shane wasn't Irish born, was okay, he? Okay, no, 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 no. He, was he, I heard once he was born Tipperary. Oh, yeah, the, the, that's what you're supposed to believe. The truthers all say that he was born in Pecan in the county Tipperary. This is the thing, and it's the same way that uh, the, the explorer Richard Burton claims he was born in Devon and he's clearly an Irishman. Richard Burton? The guy who translated, no, not, not the one who's married to Liz Taylor, the one oh, who translated. Because he was a Welshman. Show. The one translated the Kama Sutra into into English. Not you say Irish. he was clearly a, an Irishman. He was a his father was an Irish soldier, and oh. he was he identified as Irish. He was frequently referred to by his army buddies as Irish, but that oh. can mean anything. Paddy Ashton's real name was Jeremy. I'm not yeah Jeremy Ashton, but his his mates called him Paddy because his father was stationed in Northern Ireland. <laughs> Jesus, and he had an Irish right? accent. Yes, yeah. the, the recently late um, Paddy Ashton. Yeah, yeah. The um, Spike Milligan was 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 born in. In Britain, but uh, was an Irish citizen because his father at the foundation of the state, his father rang up and said, uh, I, "I want to apply for Irish citizenship." And apparently, that the the Irish consul in London said, "Oh, that's great, uh, Mister Milligan. We're awful short of people." <laughs> oh dear! And obviously, uh, spiked brings back no Spike Milligan. Obviously, <laughs> wrote a book called Pacoon, was obviously um, related to a. Fef- a fairy in Irish, but that's yeah, yeah, that's, and 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 a fairy in English because and again, it's all at the border as well. Yeah, it is. God, yeah, it's, get yourself a copy of Pocoon. We'll, we, 
when when we, we return, should talk about Spike. Yeah, we should talk about Spike. When we return from hiatus, we're going to do a Spike Milligan episode. But right, so Puck is related to both Puka yeah. and and Puck, the, the fairy in Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. So amazingly, there are obviously elements of this island and the next door island that are completely and totally intertwined. The fairies didn't see any borders, you know what I mean? They didn't see any difference. So, mm-hmm. you know, Brexit or no Brexit, there's some things that we have in common. Linguistically, we may speak English better than them, but we speak English. That's that's fair, mm. you know. They're they're and obviously Scotland is deeply negatively affected by the the troublesome Brexit and and Scots Gaelic. And uh, by the way, anybody catch the Daily Gale uh, on their week? Where the Daily Gale brilliant when they were running Mullafuckler for a week, and they are they have their own Mullafuckler inspired Twitter account now. Yeah, called the Scots Gaelic for well the the. Scott's Gallic, they have the Scott's Gallic four rounds, but they also have Conan Balls, which is a, a curator, oh, a brilliant. rotating curator account. So That's we will, fantastic. we'll put links to all these in the in the show notes. In the show notes, fantastic. So, until the next time. Until the next time. It's a slant from me, and it's a slant from me. And don't be a Nazi. Don't be a Nazi. We didn't. <laughs> we didn't have Nazis in the forties. We're not going to have them now. Slant. You are. Thanks to Kirsten Shield for the art. Thanks to Brian for producing. Do listen to another Headstuff show. May I recommend, for example, Taranoia, Up to 90, or What I'm Politics. Motherfucklore is a podcast on the Headstuff Podcast Network and comes out every Friday. You can feel free to reach out, send us your comments, queries, suggestions, or questions to motherfucklore at headstuff.org. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. One, two, two, two. This is a sports movie.